1: welcome to continuous plays harry potter series retrospective we will be reviewing each of the harry potter films as fall up until the release of the first part of the series finale harry potter and the deathly Hallows. These reviews will be spoiler filled, so if you haven't seen the movies, watch them before listening to our podcast. Continuous Play Podcast is not affiliated with Heyday Films, 1492 Pictures, Duncan Henderson Productions, or Warner Brothers Pictures. And any discussion of these films, the characters, music, or parties involved is done so for entertainment purposes only, and no infringement is intended. Now, Anna and Jay, raise your wands and let's get to the podcast.
0: Welcome to Film Strips Harry Potter Retrospective Series. I'm Jay. I'm Anna, and we're here to talk about Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, the 6th film in our series, released in 2009, directed again by David Yates and adapted for the screen by Steve Kloves. Stars the same group of people that have been all of them. It's the 6th entry. It's I mean it's it's one of the biggest ones in the Harry Potter series in terms of release it's actually second in domestic gross uh, with over 300 million coming in and of course worldwide I mean it did almost 933 million this is a mega mega film had a I mean it just had a great run at the box office Anna and really set everything up for you know where we are now with the Harry Potter series as it's uh, coming to a close. It's the I guess you'd say the beginning of the closing trilogy.
2: Yeah, I guess you could say it's the closing trilogy because it's it's the next to last one, but they did the last one in two. So yeah, I guess you could say that
0: the long book though, right? I mean, as I understand,
2: yeah, it, it's, it's, it was a long book.
0: Yeah, it it's quite a quite a big one, but they they had to chunk it up in ways to to get it on screen, but widely regarded in critical circles as a really good one. In fact, JK Rowling says, I mean, I haven't seen what her comments had been about the last two, but at the point of this one's release, she said this was her favorite adaptation of all six films, which I thought was pretty high praise.
2: I think what they finally accomplished, it took them six movies to do it. But what they finally accomplished with this is they got every theme in her book. Like there were, like we talked about in the third and fourth one, there were plot points they took out of the book because the books were so long or they're so drawn out. She goes into a lot of detail. But this one, I thought between reading the book and this, that they, in the movie, that they struck a good balance. Like, they hit all the themes she hit in her book, but they took them exactly as far as they needed to. And one of the things which we'll talk about later is the whole Harry and Ginny
0: thing. You know, I will say this too, I I you know, I complained in the fourth one that it felt like there was so much going on and they just did little vignettes of everything, mm-hmm. kind of hit it all. Well, I felt the same about this. There's a lot going on in it, but I I think it was it was better produced. It it just seemed like a better adaptation. And having not read the Books, that's sort of hard for me to say, but it didn't feel as truncated or as in a hurry to get through as as much stuff, if that makes sense. I mean, it it feels it felt like they were trying to do a lot with this story and that there was a lot to accomplish, but everything got its due and got its time. And and really in this one too, our central three characters, it really got back to just being about them ultimately and the way they do things. And I kind of hope that's something they stick with you know, throughout the rest of the series is you've got all these other things going off on the side, but ultimately this has got to be about Harry, Hermione, and Ron. And I felt like this was the best story of the three of them together that we would had maybe since the third one.
2: Yeah, I think I, I would agree with you on that, Jay.
0: Well, Anna, before we get any deeper into this thing, will you please dazzle us with another one of your magical plot summaries? Well,
2: I will try. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are beginning their sixth year at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, and Voldemort's power has grown really great. No one can be trusted. At the beginning, we are led to believe, due to Professor Snake promising to protect Draco Malfoy and entering into an unbreakable vow with Mrs. Malfoy, and an observance by Harry and his friends at Diagon Alley that Draco had been ordered by Lord Voldemort to kill or harm Dumbledore in some way. We also learned there's a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher surprise. <laughs> well, not not really a surprise. It's Professor Snape, who I believe in one of the first movies we learned has been coveting, coveting that position for a while. So the vacant position this year is actually potions. And so Dumbledore recruits Harry to try to recruit Professor Slughorn, who apparently was at Hogwarts a long time ago. Harry quickly realizes, and later Dumbledore confirms, that Professor Slughorn likes to collect students, and I believe even Dumbledore goes so far as to tell Harry, let him collect you, because Dumbledore wants a memory that Slughorn has. And due to an old book Harry just happened to receive with some awesome handwritten notes, Harry becomes Slughorn's star student. And in the Teenage Yanks department, Ron somehow obtains a girlfriend, but surprise, she is kind of crazy, which in turn drives Hermione nutty because she really loves Ron, but is too stubborn to tell him. In the meantime, Harry is pining for the redheaded hottie, Jenny Weasley, and everything (laughs) works out in the end. Ron and Hermione end up together, and Ginny and Harry end up together. So, in the end, Harry obtains the memory from Slughorn, and Dumbledore learns that Voldemort has sliced his soul into seven separate pieces called Horcruxes. One was Tom Riddle's diary from from the second movie, and there are six more. Dumbledore and Harry go on a quest to find one of Voldemort's Horcruxes, which happened to be a locket but it wasn't there. When they return, there is a showdown between the Death Eaters and Dumbledore, and Professor Snape does the unthinkable when D- Dumbledore says, Severus, please, and he kills Dumbledore, and Dumbledore dies at the end of the
0: movie. Dun-dun-dun. What a downer, too, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there's Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, sacrificing himself uh, several chapters later than, than normal, but yeah, I mean... It, that had been the hot rumor was, you know, Dumbledore eventually is going to get it. I mean, everybody talked about that. And I'll tell you, I think you could see that coming, too, right? Like that had to ultimately happen. There was going to be this major thing that sent everybody finally over the edge in this battle. And, of course, it has to be the the person you and I have been fingering. Is there's something not right with him from the beginning? Snape, who does it? I mean, it, it's always, you know, that guy.
2: It it always is, yes, that's true. He, but what kills me is when this when this happens is that she, throughout the movies and the whole series, and the movies say this too, is that Snake get exonerated. He's always like they thought he was the one in the first book. They thought it was him, but it was really Quarrel. And, you know, he always gets exonerated. And, you know, I think in the Fifth and the Order of the Phoenix, they don't really, the Sirius and Mad-Eye don't really trust Snape. But Dumbledore's like, no, no, he's okay. But he always seems to get exonerated. And it's just, to me, shocking that, to me, it's actually more shocking that he did it. Because he's always getting exonerated either by his own actions or Dumbledore believes him and then the book ends like this that he actually did it so i actually find that a little more shocking a little different than but i guess everybody
0: just kind of assumes where there's smoke there's fire well i i would i mean as someone again who didn't read the books is just following this as a movie series you saw the setup coming it was either going to be him or i really thought the malfoy kid was actually going to get to do this and you read the book when you read the book was it as big a shock as it was for like me when i watched it because this is the first time i've seen this one and i watched it and i was like wow i you know i kind of expected him to go there but then again i didn't expect him to go there because like you said they always let snap off the hook
2: yeah I, I was shocked i was shocked that he would do that but as i'm reading the book and with the movie too with this series whether you read the books or see the movies or both Nothing is ever as it seems. No. So I kept thinking after I read the book, there's, of, of course, it's at the end of the book. And you, I would have to, I had months, months before the next book came out, years or months before the next book came out to think about it. But is what are we missing? There is something there that we're missing. That's what I thought when it happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a big turn, but it is one of the most. Satisfying dramatic conclusions in these different chapters. If you look at these movies as chapters of this story of Harry Potter, a lot of times they just leave you hanging. Particularly the last two, Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix, really left you hanging. And not to say that this one doesn't, but there was a, I had satisfaction with the conclusion. I felt like. Everything that had happened in the movie led up to this, and now I'm ready for the next chapter, as opposed to all this stuff happened, and it'll matter in five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was satisfied with it, much more so than I have been, really, since Prisoner of Azkaban.
2: And I know, and if, if you notice from the plot summary that I did, I'm constantly going back to different book different movies like the tom riddle's diary and the chamber of secrets and stuff like that so this is where it all this to me is what the fans expected the fifth movie to be is this is where baltimore's power's gotten stronger and it's going to get stronger and he has killed he has killed dumbledore dumbledore has died There has something has happened. All this stuff, we've referenced all the movies and the references from the past movies, books, whatever you want to call it. And here we are. This is the first time I think it has kind of accumulated into one
0: one big ball and we're moving forward. Well, it's now it, it's time for the showdown. It, right. It, we Instead know of that, getting
2: peace here, peace here, yeah. peace here, peace here.
0: And you said in the last podcast, you, you got to start really paying attention to stuff because there's so much in five that is brought back up and paid off in six. And you were right about that. The Tom Riddle thing. I had forgotten about that. I had to go, you know, stop and go and Google what, who is that? What is the diary? And go, Oh yeah. Chamber of secrets. Cause I had forgotten that. Uh-huh. I had moved on from that and I thought you know what though if you're a fan of these books you keep up with these little nuggets this is where it starts all paying off and yes in that respect I I like the the payoffs that are coming because there's so many of them they can stretch them out over three films and this was a big one for me though because again you know, I was not a fan of the Goblet of Fire. I didn't like it at all. I think I said I would never watch it again, and I pretty much hold to that. I don't know that I will, and I don't know that I'll ever watch Order of Phoenix again. But this is one I could go back to possibly. I mean, there's things here I'm not real crazy about, but I like the ending of this, and I like that it all culminated. You know, I mentioned him before. We need to talk about Draco Malfoy, played by okay. Tom Felton. Play this the same kid that you know all these kids have played all these parts all these years. And I felt like he hasn't had anything to do, really, since the Prisoner of Azkaban story. And I don't know if that's how it is in the books. He just seems to sort of always be on the side and just be, he's Harry's rival. You know, you just know that going going in. That's how it's going to be. And they give him so much in this story. And I got to say, Kid really handled it well. I mean, Tom Felton really played Malfoy with Layers that you normally don't get in your bad guy for the story. You know, you would think that a guy like Malfoy would jump on something like this and just be gung-ho for evil, but he's really conflicted about it to the point that he cannot carry out the assignment when it finally is in front of him. And it just tears him up. And, I mean, Harry Potter unleashes hell on him, too, for it.
2: First off, I'll go back. And in the book, Draco has a little more to do, but it's not anything substantial. I mean, he's still kind of just that kind of pain in Harry's butt all the time. And he's the, you know, he's he's the anti-Harry. I think we've established that. He's the rich kid from a good family and his parents, not that Harry isn't rich, but he's the pure blood. And his parents are, were death eaters and Harry's parents are in the Order of the Phoenix. And I think they both had, I think both their, because Harry's parents left him a lot of money. We learned in the first movie. So I think they were both kind of rich, but it's just he's the anti-Harry in every way, shape, and form. But I also think that um, they're kind of setting the Malfoys up. You know, it's I I mean I I kind of feel like we get and uh, in that regards he did a really good job. I I think we get disillusioned with them the more we see them, and if you if you think back we kind of get disillusioned with them. If you think back to the first time, you know, we met Draco in the first book. And, but if you remember back to the chamber of secrets where we met, meet Lucius, Yeah. he, you know, he's, you know, rich and presents himself that way and presents himself very powerful and evil and stuff. And then I just think we're setting up, we're getting disillusioned with the Malfoys or the, the, yeah, You know what I mean? The audience is getting disillusioned with the mouth voice. So maybe now that Baltimore's really in power, they're not as cocky as maybe they were before. They're not as confident or sure of themselves as they were before.
0: Well, you know, obviously they've had a shadow cast on them this whole series. Right. And we Mm -hmm. don't know their intentions. And now it looks like that their intentions are coming clear and it is as bad as we assumed. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and in fact, it could be much worse. And you feel like you're starting to feel like the it, you know, this this whole thing is and I'm going back to my Star Wars metaphor here. It's more than just Voldemort versus Harry Potter or Voldemort even versus the Potters. It's the Death Eaters versus the Order of the Phoenix. Yes. You know that, and I mean, is that right? Because that's how I'm reading this, and it's like the Empire versus the Rebellion. You know, we just yes. we feel like there's those two sides, and as this story reveals itself more, you start to realize this is the story of Harry Potter in the midst of this war that has gone on for decades between these two factions of magic.
2: Well, I don't know. Hold on, let me take that back. I don't know if I'd agree with that okay. so much. I agree. I agree that it, that, yeah, there are two factions, but one can't live without the other. Harry, Harry can't, Baltimore can't live if Harry's alive and Harry can't live if Baltimore's alive. So one of them has to die and right. one of them has to win. So I, one of them has to die and one of them has to live. So one faction is going to be in power, no matter
0: what well, yeah, and see again, with my star wars metaphor, we got to bring balance to the force ultimately, how that's done is in ways that maybe we don't expect or that we assume, but I'm not saying she's ripping it off i'm not saying I'm just saying there's a there's a parallel there that again, as somebody who didn't read the books is just watching the movies, you're starting to see who the sides really are, like it's always been a little muddled for me as to. Who, who's really against who here you know, is it the ministry is it this and you realize it's it's really the death eaters versus the order of the phoenix isn't it yes and It's sort of like no, it, it's like your opinion on how how the magic world should run right oh
2: this is how i see it there will never be a balance or a harmony there is
0: one or the other
2: i i don't know if that goes with the star wars metaphor with storing force because i'm not good with star
0: wars well, no you know you're right and that's where it differs and you you brought that up again is that voldemort can't exist forever if harry exists uh-huh. and and vice versa so ultimately it's going to be one taking over the other but those clearly are our sides and yeah and this movie better than i think any of the rest of them so far have really made that clear to to the audience
2: I don't know. Every time I see Tom Felton in every movie, he just amazes me either, either by just how drastically he grows or how he looks or something. I remember in the third movie, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe that's him. And, um, and so he just always amazes me and it's glad I'm glad to see a little more depth to the character finally in the movies and in in any aspect, I'm glad to see more depth to the character. And I think he did a great job. And I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less. He's been playing this. He's been playing the character as long as Harry has. He just, As long as Daniel Radcliffe has, he just hasn't had as much screen time. So I wouldn't expect
0: anything less. Well, the thing you know, and uh, c- uh, confession time here, I actually had to look it up to see that it was still him. Because I, I, I'm i like you. I'm like, that kid looks way too big. He does not look like a kid anymore. It looks like an adult. There's no way he, that's the same person. They just got somebody that's similar, and nope, sure not the same I guy. I don't. So.
2: I don't know if it's him and the way he's grown, or if it's the costuming and the makeup and the hair. But he just, with every after like the second movie, he just looks. Total from the third movie on, he just every movie he looks different.
0: Granted, they're having to cake it on Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grant to hide their five o'clock shadows at this point, you know, because I mean, if you see those people away from this, they look like young adults, they don't look like 16 17 year old kids anymore they really don't even though they're none of them are really big they they don't they don't look their age anymore they've actually gotten older than the part now but they are still able to keep them in that way through costuming but you're right tom felton looks older and he looks more menacing i'll say that his whole costuming he went from looking like a little toady bully early uh-huh. on to now he looks like somebody that could really kick your teeth in if you if you crossed him the wrong way. He's no he's not just talk. And that's the thing I think I like about the Draco Malfoy character is he he's not just talk. I mean he can actually do something and he's someone who is conflicted by his own you know, if Harry's conflicted at all about who he is and what his mission in life is, Draco is too. By circumstances he can't control. He is Task to do something that something in him knows is wrong and it's what stops him from doing it. And that was fascinating to me. I'm only hoping that's explored even further as we go into the seventh film because in the, in the eighth film ultimately, because that was such a neat turn of character because if anybody was going to do bad, just for bad sake, when he finally got the chance, it would have been Draco Malfoy in my opinion. And then he, he's not able to do it.
2: Well, I still think that that he, I take a different thing. He, he is more menacing in this movie. I agree with you, his perform And he's more, I don't want to say sullen. Um, I like you say, conflicted menacing. I get that. But to me, I, I disagree with you. I think he's the bully and he's all, uh, he's been the bully for five, for basically five movies. He's been the bully. He's been harassing Harry and Ron and Hermione, you know, Hermione, Hermione with her mud blood and Ron with being poor and Harry with just being Harry and um, being the chosen one, I guess. But I think that, I think that in my opinion, Voldemort charged him with this mission um, probably to me to kind of shut him up and quit being so menacing and being such a bully and actually back up what he's talking about with actions. I, that's my opinion on it.
0: I I just took it as he he took Harry's rival and and used him. It was it, Voldemort's all about Voldemort, right? So I don't all think right. he's got any care for any of these other people at all. These are just his minions. So uh, you go do it since you seem to hate him anyway. You no, know, take care of. Dumbledore for me. One, because he knows that'll really tick Harry Potter off, and right. and and distract him. And by all means, it does. Because you know, even though the Draco can't go through with it, it doesn't uh, stop Harry from really unleashing hell on him.
2: But I still, I still think Voldemort is setting the Malfoys
0: up for something. Yeah, you just don't know what. I, that, that's I the thing. You is, don't know. I yeah. don't know what, but so, it's, well, it's somebody, not good. In every bad guy plan, there's always somebody left holding the bag. Uh-huh. That's your cl- and it's usually your closest ally. Those are the people you turn on, you know. Uh-huh. And that and that is a- that's exactly what I think is happening. He's just gonna uh, when when and then Voldemort rises to power and takes over, you kill those people because they were right there with you. So why have loose ends? They would be the only ones as powerful enough to do anything about it. Because by the time you get to that point, everybody else is gone, right? I mean, that's what you would have to assume. So he'd just take them out too. I, I just think he's using them.
2: True, with that theory though, with that theory kind of sorta, I wonder if he is ups- upset because if we think about all his followers, like the the rat looking guy, Peter Pettigrew yeah. and um Beatrix, Helenum Bottom Carter, if you look at his follow- followers, they were like an Azkaban. Or they were in some kind of hiding or something like the rat being, you know, Peter Pettigrew being um, the Weasley's rat. But this whole time, the Malfoys have been out there in the open and in the ministry and stuff. And I'm wondering if he resents them for that or
0: something. I don't know so much that because think about it where all those other people are. It's a strategic position. You have the, sure. your Pettigrew in with the Weasleys because the, you know, uh, the Weasleys are part of the Order of the Phoenix. Right. And plus Ron Weasley's Harry Potter's age. So you got you. There's your eyes and yours there. You have Beatrix Lestrange in Azkaban because who's she keeping an eye on? Sirius Black. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you have the Malfoys in the Ministry of Magic because that's their place. Their magic royalty, if you will. Right. So that would be a good place to have it. These are allies who are plants for a reason and they're supposed to be in there, which brings me to another point. All right. Snape and Snape's turn to the dark side, if you will. Is that, I mean, I, I'm besides the fact that he was the one that pulled the trigger on Dumbledore metaphorically to see him. I'm watching this and I, I have to just give a lot to Alan Rickman, who could probably just sell me that he could be the Easter Bunny because he's just such a good actor. You know, he can just become these things. I've watched him defy me, this idea that he is not evil, that he's just dark for five movies now. And then in this sixth one, I'm like, you son of a gun, you really are on their side. Or are you? What is the deal? And it's the ambiguity of Snape is fascinating to me.
2: Oh, I agree. I agree. And it's even more fascinating in the books. I'll say that. It's even more fascinating because they don't go into, I don't think they go into in the movies. They, they've mentioned it a lot in the fourth movie, in the fourth book, but he was a, he was a death eater.
0: Right. They they mentioned that a few and times. And I
2: think they might've mentioned it in the Phoenix, but they go into more detail in the books about that. And I can't, I can't, I thought they mentioned it in the fourth and fifth movie, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, or they mentioned it so briefly. I wasn't 100% sure. But he's, you know, and especially from, like, the fifth book on, he's, fifth and sixth books, he's working as this double agent. You know, he does, the, at the beginning of the movie, when he does the unbreakable vow and stuff to protect Draco. And, 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 I mean, it's just, he is such an intriguing character. He is. And he's one of the most intriguing to me he's one of the most intriguing characters she's written in the whole movie series. And I also I love I love Alan Rickman. I love his voice. I love him as Snape. I loved him in um Love Actually. <laughs> uh, I love him. I mean, he's the bad guy from Die
0: Hard. Come oh, on, he's the he's the best one that that series ever had by far. He was the sheriff of Nottingham in the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. Uh-huh. I mean, he's all yeah. You're right. He's always playing the bad guy, at least in some way. Not all the time, but a lot of times he plays the bad guy. And I think it takes a certain chameleon-like quality to be able to pull that off. We talked about that with Gary Oldman when we did the Prisoner of Azkaban uh-huh. review. That he—that's why he always seems to play those guys. So well, Snape to play somebody that's on the fence, or Rickman to play somebody that's on the fence, like Snape seems to be or is, is a perfect choice. And I, I much like Malfoy and Tom Felton, I was glad they gave Rickman and Snape some real heavy stuff to do. In this-
2: I I. Agree too, especially after watching the last two movies, the fourth and the fifth movie. Oh yeah, he did nothing. He did he had really nothing to do but stand there, and he really didn't have a lot to do in the second
0: movie
2: either. He didn't have a whole lot to do, so I'm glad he they finally brought that character full circle
0: yeah i mean it gave them so much to do and it's it, it was so well cool.
2: it's it's kind of three quarters of a circle we well, still have
0: two more movies to go. <laughs> yeah yeah he's still got a ways to go but it's i'm now into snape again and I, I remember what i liked about him early on and why i'm glad he's a part of this let's talk about our three central people though i mean we really <laughs> got to talk about harry ron and hermione and, and you mentioned it in your plot summary it was a great way to summarize it the the whole love triangle bit gets thrown around again, you know, the, and Ron, you know, stumbles into a girlfriend because he's actually got athletic prowess, which you know, was was sort of a shock to everyone involved, including me, and because uh, he's kind of the shimp of the gang, you know. But he he comes up looking pretty good in this one, and uh, of course, that breaks little Hermione's heart. You know, the and and you feel so bad for the poor girl, you know, because he's so dense. There's no way he'd get it. But I like the the play between the three of them. And there was a lot of them sitting around working through stuff together again. I just, I really just liked. The, I, I said it, you know, before that. Since the third one, this is the best one of the three of them just doing stuff together. That, and I just loved it. I like the direction of that. I hope it lasts because that's so much more interesting than when you have them off all doing side adventures, even though they, uh, they do split up a little bit. But
2: I, I will, and I know, but it might be a spoiler alert, but in the seventh movie, there's nothing else for them to do but hang out together, so you'll get your wish.
0: Ah, uh, see, that that to me, well, I, you know, I, I got that going in because they've decided to go on the hunt at the end of this movie, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes, we're going to have the trio... Go out and do the damage now I'm, I'm all about it. I like that, but I think you had to have one final miniature fracture for a minute to let him get over the hump of it, because what this, this is the establishment of some serious relationships, right? Mm-hmm. you know finally, Ron and Hermione will own up to the way they feel about each other, to each other, which is you know nice to see. and you get Harry and his you know crush to be or whatever. All I can say about Jenny Weasley is at least she's not insane.
2: Yeah, she's pretty sane. Yeah. But it, it, <laughs> I mean, it, I think back, cause I'm a huge Friends fan, I think back to an episode of Friends when uh, Ross goes out with Janice. And he he comes clean to Chandler and he she's like, I don't care if you go out with Janice, I can't stand her and uh Ross is like, Well, you know, we're best friends and you don't date each other's ex girlfriends or their sisters or their cousins.
0: Yeah.
2: Taylor's <laughs> yep. like, Wait, I am mad at you when you and Monica <laughs> are secretly dating. I always go I've like, when I read the book and when I did this, I went back to that. And I I'm just like, really hairy out of all the girls and in Great Britain and Hogwarts and everywhere, you had to pick your best friend's
0: sister. But <laughs> but it makes sense. It's the family he spent the most time around. He's the closest to them. She's had a crush on him from way back, and oh, yeah. now she proves to be useful. I mean, it's her and him who go hide the yeah. They go and hide the potions book, you know, and, and that's where they kiss. And all that stuff. it makes total sense that they would wind up together. And I thought it was cute. I mean again, oh, I'm
2: glad they wind yeah. up I, I'm glad they wind up together, but it's like his life is so difficult as it is, you know, it's so complicated and so difficult as it is. It's, it's that he goes and adds dating his best friend's sister.
0: Uh, it's still it's still better dynamics than Dawson's Creek. I'll just say that again in the last True. podcast. It's just still at least there's and you know, people that listen to the the Art of Slaying the Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast will know this. At least there's no eternal punishment for relationships that end in happiness. Because the rule on Buffy is if you're ever in a happy relationship, somebody's about to die or y'all are about to really become mortal enemies. That that always happens, you know, in, in the Buffy relationship. So at least least here you feel like, ah, we finally coupled people up and that seems to be taken care of. And again, I felt like there was so much conclusion to little things that had been hanging on for two, three, four episodes, maybe even longer, that to where by the end of it, when Dumbledore dies and these three decide we're going after the other Horcruxes, that it they're riding off on the wider Earp ride. You know, now it is time we, we go taking care of all this other stuff. Now we're gonna now we're gonna go on the ride. I liked it. I mean I was I was with these three more through this story than the last two movies that I've seen of them together. I just liked the whole spin of them together and the way they had to work together to get it done again. It was, it harkened back to that first movie, you know, when they're down there playing the live game of chess and all Uh that stuff. I mean, I really felt like I was in that, uh, I really felt like we were back to that type of arena and it was so refreshing. I just really liked it. It was a good story.
2: I do too. And think it, looking back, on the movies. Um, did you think that Harry would wind up with did you see that coming, Harry and Ginny?
0: I don't know that I saw it coming so much. You just could tell she liked him, and they kept popping her back into the story here and there. Mm-hmm. And I think about it, it's either the fourth or the fifth one. I can't remember now, but she's – I mean, it was the fifth one, I guess, because they were to the, the Phoenixes at the Weasley's place, right? And they're all all—they're all sitting around talking, and she's there, and you can tell something's going on there. I knew he was never going to wind up with the cute girl that he had the crush on that turned out to be insane. Oh yeah, Cho Chang. Yeah, and he wasn't going to wind up with uh, Hermione, clearly, and so it makes sense that he gets together with Ginny Weasley. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that.
2: I'm just, I I was just curious. Like, did you like, like, did you see? Because, I mean, I I don't. Honest. No matter what, like I say, no matter what you saw or read, you knew Ron and Hermione were going to end up together.
0: Well, yeah, that was, that was clearly, you know. Anytime you got that people that are at that antagonistic to each other early on that are still. Yeah, friends. that's been yeah. obvious
2: since like the second movie or
0: yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Uh did I see it coming? No. I I I'll honest I didn't see him and Jenny Weasley getting together. But clearly she I knew she was gonna have some major role in some of this. But and all the Weasleys were because as these stories have unfolded, they've become much more a part of everything. Because they're everything that the Dursleys aren't in terms of a family to yeah. harry so clearly they're always going to fill that role so it would make sense that he would want to marry into that you know plus he's kind of cute make sense, i mean, no. jenny's kind of cute i mean it's not like she's you know
2: yeah not. in the I, I don't in the book she's supposed to be because you know she plays Quidditch and that we've seen in the movie she plays Quidditch, Quidditch. yeah which uh, going back to that i know this is a total tangent but how you said ron i always wondered why he never played quidditch because jenny played fred played george played I, like i was always like well okay what's wrong with ron <laughs>
0: yeah, it- you, know, you know what this is you know what i was watching since like this is when landry joins the Dillon panthers when yeah. <laughs> or, the, or the east Dillon Lions. this is when landry tries to play football and friday night lights and it works out to about the same level of success <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. But yeah, I mean, I totally saw that you're a fan of that show too. So I knew you would get it. But I mean, that's exactly what I thought. When I saw Ron here. I was like, Landry kicks the field goal. You go. <laughs> Yay. Uh, and he didn't have to murder what anybody. Was his, what was
2: his band name? This is a total tangent too. What's his oh, band name? crucifixious or something?
0: Cruc- crucifixious or something like that? Yeah, that's uh, uh that's for the Friday Night Lights respect <laughs> Yeah.
2: Uh, that's our two minutes on Friday Night Lights. But are relating Harry Potter to Friday Night Lights
0: <laughs> I do you wonder if there's any crossover. I would I wanna throw a dare out if there are any crossover Harry Potter Friday Night Lights fans besides you. So, oh, that's a good one. So, Cuz you would think those would not be the same groups of people, but, you know,
2: you know we're we're trying to to, to get a British boarding school that teaches witchcraft and wizardry um and combine it with East Texas some um, football.
0: But but the analogy works, right? I mean, you, you it does work, it's yeah. it's the, the the least expected person finally joins the team and it's actually useful.
2: Yes. It, it does work. He is he is Landry, red hair and all.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he gets a girl out of it, you know, and it it works. And and it's the wrong girl for him, Yeah, you because know?
2: Landry's was gay. This one's crazy. <laughs>
0: well, Landry's was also a hoe for Tim Riggins, but that's another story.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, it that's that. that's another podcast for another day. Yeah. Yeah. But I I just always wondered why Ron never played. But they they. They made my whole point before that was in the book. Jenny's like supposed to be some little hottie. She's supposed to be, you know, the athletic. And I'm sure sh- she's also, um, she's more of a tomboy, but look, she had all brothers. She's the youngest of what six. Yeah, she's okay. the youngest of six and has five brothers. And, um, I mean, so she's a tomboy. She's kind of spunky. She's, she's she's the quidditch player and stuff so it's well, um and, and you know that's how she's described in the book and i'm glad that she because we haven't seen much of jenny you know except in we saw her in the order of the phoenix and of course the chamber of secrets but we you know in most of the movies Ginny, you talk about you know, Malfoy or something, Ginny or S- Snape, Ginny hadn't had a whole lot to do. And now here well, she
0: is. Uh... She's always background dressing, but they make it a point to focus on her and bring her in, which is why, you know, something's coming. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm with you on the whole tomboy bit. Like I get that. And it kind of works. And that would make sense that Harry would be attracted to somebody like that. Because what have we said about Harry from the get go? He's the ultimate jock. You know, yeah. that's, that's what he's supposed to be in a, in a lot of ways as a metaphor. So, And that makes sense that he would wind up with somebody equally, uh, athletic. Yeah, equally as athletic as him and stuff. And I, you know, what? I don't know how she, you know, you say in the book she's described as maybe a little hotter. I, I get the way they're like this girl, and I haven't seen her in the seventh films yet or what they do, you know. But if they show her in adulthood, I'm sure they'll really doll her up and all that stuff. She looks like somebody that they play down her looks. To make her a little more backgroundish and wallflowerish than she mm-hmm. probably really would be. Like they did that with, with Allison Hannigan on Buffy during the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, by the third season, they just let her be her. And, you know, she's a really pretty woman, you know, oh, yeah. but, but if you play down her looks and sort of strip away the makeup and straighten her hair and all that, she looks like she's just a little wallflower, you know, so she can play that. And I kind of like that. I mean, the, the actress that plays Jenny Weasley. Uh, you know, Bonnie Wright, he's done a good job playing that role. He's another one of those kids that has kind of grown up with the role. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was cool. And, and you know, we've talked about the ending a lot, in and, and how it all went down. I, I'm uh, For the first time in a long time with this series, I'm actually interested in seeing what happens next. You know, like, I, I feel like, I've said it before, I felt like there was payoff in this. Mm-hmm. And while this film necessarily wasn't perfect, the it kept moving enough and has come to a point where I realize th- the next chapter's got to be good. You know, it's almost by default, you'd think it would be at least as good as this going forward because they've just raised the stakes to an ultimate high. You just killed Harry's Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, you just killed his mentor, and now he's really pissed off. And he's got his two friends, who are his best allies, who are actually useful in a fight, really pissed off, too. And, they, and they're all, you know, they're going out to wage war against the ultimate enemy, win or lose. And that, to me, is incredibly satisfying and makes me want to watch this more.
2: I, I agree. And th- this is one that I think can be watched over and over again. I really like this one. If I ranked my top so far, I, I haven't seen the part two yet. But if I ranked them, this would be in my top three, probably. It'd be two or three, probably.
0: Well, you know, I guess we we need to get to it. It's the part of the podcast where we give our popcorn rating. So, Anna, what is your official popcorn rating for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince?
2: I will give this a large popcorn because I'm I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So, I, I think that's been established. I'm a huge fan. I love the payoff in this movie. I love how they kind of incorporated everything from the book, but they condensed it just how just how it needed to be. And they didn't really leave anything out and it flowed better and it moved quicker. And I love this. I like the story. I love the payoff. The actors are really coming into their own and, you know, looking like young adults and stuff and really doing a good job and owning the characters. So this is one that I could, one of them I could watch over and over again. So I give it a large popcorn.
0: I this is, this is definitely a step up from the fourth and the fifth entries by far. It's, it's a very entertaining movie. I don't know that it's as standalone as maybe the third one is, you know, cause no, that's what, this one's. Yeah. You, you had, you have to know all this other stuff in particular, you got to know stuff from the fourth and the fifth one that, that you, you know, are not really easy to sit through for a fan that didn't read the books like me. Mm-hmm. But, it's still very fun and it's very satisfying. And if you know what, if you don't want to watch those and don't read the books, there's good detailed plot summaries out there. There's Wikipedia. There's your friends like Anna who know everything about it. They can get you filled in so you can just watch this one as it is. But I was satisfied with it. I liked it. I thought it was a you know well done story. I think they figured out exactly what works in this. They've got the writer in that knows how to adapt these and they've got the you know, the same director now. It's the you know, the first time they've done that since Chris Columbus repeated this director and I liked Yates's second version or second attempt better than his first one by far. I mean, it was fantastic. And so, this is large popcorn for me too, Anna, and that brings us now to the end of our series because the next two podcasts we're going to talk about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One and then Part Two. You and I haven't seen it yet; it's been out about, a, uh, well, it's been out through the weekend as as of the recording of this podcast, and is doing huge numbers. I'm trying to stay completely spoiler free on it as much as I can. I know you've read the book; you know what happens. So it's going to be interesting to see if the momentum carries forward, if they really end with a bang. Um, like uh, a lot of people promise that they that they will, or at least that it looks like they can do. So
2: uh, all I have to say is, after reading that book, which was extremely long, they better. <laughs> that's all I. Ha- that's all I have. I haven't read any of the reviews or anything and I'm, all I have to say is they better
0: well we'll definitely see if they do folks thanks again for joining us on our Harry Potter retrospective you can download the other uh, podcasts from this series from iTunes or from our website continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies and follow us on Facebook and Twitter there leave us some feedback let us know what you think until next time for Anna I'm Jay thanks for tuning in to strip.
1: thank you for joining us in this chapter of Continuous Play's Harry Potter series retrospective we will be reviewing each of the Harry Potter films this fall up until the release of the first part of the series finale, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Check out our website, www.continuousplaypodcast.com, each week for a new release in the series, and email feedback to us at mailbag at